Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. is airing on Tuesday, August 4th, 2020. Good morning, everyone. This is Shannon, and I am so excited for this episode because it is chock full of all kinds of great books. We have an interview with author Sherry LaPena, where not only will we talk about a book that she wrote, but she'll give all kinds of great book recommendations um, of some things that are already out, some things that are coming out soon. And then I have this week's new releases for you. And it was really, really difficult to narrow this down because there are so many fantastic books out today. And I had a really hard time choosing the ones that I was going to tell you about. But before we tell you about anything, let's do the usual housekeeping information. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. And now, without any further chatter from me, let us move directly into the interview with Sherry LaPena, who is one of the most genuinely kind and warm people um, in the book world today. So I'm super excited to have her back on Book Bistro. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro podcast. I'm Shannon, and I am delighted to once again be talking with author Sherry LaPena, whose latest novel, The End of Her, releases in the U.S. today, which is July 28th. So thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. Oh, my pleasure. I was just looking um, before I uh, found you on Skype, and I realized that last year I talked to you on August 1st, so it is almost exactly a year. Yeah, well, that's my books come out almost exactly a year after each other. Yes. <clears throat> so can we start by giving readers a little bit of an introduction to the end of her? <laughs> Yeah, it's a story about a couple, Patrick and Stephanie, and they have newborn twins who are quite colicky. So they're both quite sleep deprived when the book opens. Uh, and what happens is this woman uh, called Erica arrives from Patrick's past. So it's a woman he had an affair with when he was married to his first wife. And uh, she arrives on the scene and she threatens him. She says um, she wants him to pay her money or she's going to go to the authorities and say that the death of his first wife, which was ruled an accident, she's going to say it was murder. So that's how the story opens. And throughout the whole book, we're wondering, did Patrick actually kill his wife on purpose or was it just a horrible accident? And that's that's what carries you through the book. 
And it was a horrible way to die. Like when he's talking about her sitting in the car, I was just like, oh my gosh, like that, I, I can't even imagine how that would be to be like shoveling your car out and then like your wife is dead. That That's, that's no yeah. good. Yeah, <laughs> what a shocker. I yes. mean, if, if, if it's an accident, it's it's absolutely horrible because, you know, all he's doing is shoveling out the car and, and right. she's in there keeping warm and she dies of carbon monoxide poisoning. And, um, you know, he has no idea that this is happening. On the other hand, if he wanted to kill her, it's the perfect way to do it because it's going to be ruled an accident. How are they ever going to prove that he stuffed the pipe himself <laughs> or how would right. they ever prove that he knew? Um, so it's an interesting, it was an interesting uh, s- sort of setup for a story for me because it was something where the reader and the wife and all of us could sort of wonder, wow, that's a really good question. Did he do it on purpose or not? So I wonder if someone actually has died in that way, like from a, a pipe being stuffed with snow. Yeah, actually quite a few people have. I really? I, I found it online and that's where... That's where I got the idea. Yeah. It doesn't take that long. And um, if like my character, the one that died was pregnant. So a pregnant woman will die of carbon monoxide poisoning quicker. Um, And if, if you're, if your car is buried deep in snow, the way it could be in Colorado, um, it could take a long time, like half an hour to an hour to dig a car out of the snow. So um, it it has happened. It has happened. Sadly. Horrible. Yeah. Like it works really well in a book, but like so many of the things that happen in fiction, like they make a really good story. But if you think about them in a like real way, like, oh, this is something that's actually happened to people. um, I know it's it's horrible. And, you know, one thing, one good thing that might come from this book is everyone's going to know to make sure their tailpipe is not (laughs) stuffed with snow. Because I, I didn't know until I read that it would never have occurred to me to clear out the, the exhaust pipe. It wouldn't have occurred to me until no, I read that story. I mean, like I, w- I would shovel all around and take the windshields, you know, clean the windshields, and I would just not even worry about that. Right, and people often wait in the car while someone is shoveling. Yeah, um, yeah, that that's no good. Yeah, so don't do that. No, no, <laughs> uh, especially you know, right now it's it's almost August, so we have a little while before snow starts coming, but we will definitely bear it in mind. I think yes. I will. I don't think I'll ever look at someone uh, clearing out a car in quite the same way. (laughs) I know. So this book had a little bit more of a sinister feel um, than some of your others. Like you've written a lot of really creepy, suspenseful books, but there was something about this one that felt kind of extra like sinister to me. And I think that had a lot to do with Erica's character and just kind of her uh cool plotting of like how she's going to achieve what she wants um was it difficult for you to create a character like Erica actually no and I, and I and I don't know what that says about me but um she is a very cold manipulative psychopathic character who is only out for herself and she's quite um well, she's very cold and very manipulative and she lies without compunction. And she was fairly easy for me to write. I don't know why. Because 
I'm not like that, honest. And uh, I don't really know anybody like that. But once I got into her head, I guess I just imagined what someone like that would do and say and think. And uh, she was a fun character, actually, to write. I think in this book, we see more like from her point of view than we've seen from villains like in your in your past books. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like I knew her a little bit better. Not that that was always a, a pleasant experience, but mm. I feel like I knew kind of how she thought um, a little bit more than I did. Um, like, say, you know, the the character from last year's book. Um, which was a whole like different kind of setup and right. a whole different set of circumstances that drove him to do the things that he did. Yeah. Um, but I was really a lot intrigued. more time with. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess like he was not necessarily like wanting to be malicious where she really was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So they're very different characters and you're right. You spend more time in the head of Erica than you, did with the killer in the previous book. Every every book is different, but I I wanted to do a a character that was so malicious and that had a lot of she hasn't just got one mark, she's got multiple people that she's, you know, tormenting, trying yes. to get out of. And um I think it was just interesting for me to watch how she how opportunistic she was, how how people it's almost like she's a shark she just has her she has her eyes opened all the time looking for her next opportunity and when things shift and one door closes you know another door opens of something she can do to get something so yes, she's a she's, very calculating person like a shark you know just swimming around looking for the next meal very cold yes definitely mm-hmm. so this is um, your release day, at least here in the U.S., mm-hmm. and I'm guessing that today looks a lot different from release days you've experienced <laughs> um, with your other books. That's true. So what are you doing to kind of um, give yourself that, like, release day feel, even though you're not able to, you know, go to bookstores and libraries and some of the things that people usually do to promote books? Yeah, you know, I'm spending a lot of time online doing interviews today. I will have champagne tonight. Oh, good. Um, I'm not doing that much. Like normally, uh, like last year this time, I was touring in England. um, And then I came home and then I started touring in the U.S. This time, of course, there are no tours. So um, I think we're having a, I I know we're having a a quiet champagne uh, garden thing tomorrow evening at the publisher's house in Canada with I think only six people, we're all going to be distanced. And, uh, oh, yes. and, and that's about it. Like, it's a very different year for sure, for everybody. It's been, it's, you know, I, no one could have seen this coming. What a no, difference. No, although yeah. depending on what you read, um, I think there are a lot of people who well, did see, see it. Yeah. Like yeah. at least something like it, you know, people that saw like a virus, people that write kind of the books about, um, the apocalypse and like the plague, you know, comes and causes the world to end. And hopefully we're not, um, <laughs> we're not there yet, but oh God, it is something not. I've, I've thought of just, you know, what do people think after they've written these kind of like dystopian apocalyptic novels? And then now here we are with this virus that is like 
running rampant all over the world, or at least it feels like it's running rampant all over the world. Um, the U.S. you know has a lot of difficulty with it right now, and it just feels big and consuming and alarming. Yeah. yeah. So how was it for you to, I'm guessing, be doing like a lot of your editing and things like leading up to your publication day? Were you able to kind of stay on task, even though the pandemic was kind of a big thing? Or was it difficult for you? Um, it was, you know, I'm very disciplined and I've always been very disciplined and I have very tight deadlines. Uh, so I always get it done. But I, I found my focus, um, especially early on in, in early March, it was, I was just glued to the news all the time. Um, and March felt like it was six months long for me. And also my, my daughter came home from university, was here. My husband started working from home. Everyone was in the house. Oh. Um, it, it was a strange time. I've always preferred to write when I'm alone in the house. That didn't happen this time. Um, but, you know, I got used to it. And then April, May, June, July kind of went by really quickly. And now July is starting to feel a bit like the new March because the numbers are kind of climbing and I find myself reading the news a lot more again. So, yes. um, yeah, it's it's very distracting and it's it's very upsetting to see what's happening. And, you know, I look at it as, you know, in some ways it's a very good opportunity because you see all these people pulling together to make a virus and, you know, you can see the best of human nature coming to the fore in times like this, but also the worst. So um, interesting times anyway, you know. So as a reader, I know a lot of people talk about, you know, how how much or how little they've been able to read during the pandemic. Um, a lot of the women that I do the podcast with have talked about, you know, oh, I, I have a lot of trouble focusing on books or... Yes. I haven't been able to read since the pandemic started. Fortunately, um, I have I have always read like all of my life. And so I did not find it difficult. And I, I still don't. I still read um, usually like five or six books a week. So that works really well for me. But for you, I'm curious because you are kind of dividing your time between writing and reading and news watching. Um, mm -hmm. How has your focus been for reading? Focus for reading was really noticeably lacking in the beginning. I, I did notice. I just didn't have the attention span for it. I started reading the Hilary Mantel book, the, the last one of the trilogy, which oh, I yes. loved. I loved that book. But it did take me about two months to read it. And I loved it. But I just, it just, I had a lot of trouble focusing for the first couple of months. But as I said, my focus seems to be back now. I'm reading quite a lot of books right now and I'm you know halfway through writing my new one so my focus has come back I guess you just you get used to the new the new normal and um yeah but if, if things get much much worse again in the fall I don't know it's, it's gonna blow my mind again so yes. I think a lot of a lot of people are finding reading difficult and a lot of people are finding writing difficult oh, people are just finding life difficult right now well it's true it's yeah. true I mean you look at things like are people going to go back to school um, yeah. You know what what's going to happen. One of my co-hostesses has two um, school age children and she's trying to figure out like if she goes back to work and her husband goes back to work, but the kids don't go back to school. I know, can't what, what even, happens. I can't even imagine. I have felt so sorry all the way through this for people with school age children. Mine are older. They're 21 and almost 19. 
uh, university age. So I don't have that problem. And it's funny because the universities are all remote now. But the schools, the, for the younger kids can't really work remotely as well as the universities. So, you know, I can't imagine working at home as a woman and having or a man and having little kids at home that you're also trying to homeschool. I just I can't I can't even imagine how people do that. No, I, I can't either. I am not a patient person when it comes no, to kids. So I, that would drive me crazy. And, you know, the question of whether to send them back to school, I just don't know. I don't think I'd want to send mine back to school. But, you know, you lose a whole year. You know, they've already lost six sure. months. So sure. it's a it's... difficult, difficult question. I don't know. No, it, it's a hard thing. And I think we watch how it impacts not just like the people in our kind of personal spheres, but just the world at large, like what are people doing and what are people thinking? And it's just, it's a really strange time um, that we've never lived through. My grandmother is, um, she just turned 80 in May and she says, you know, like I've never seen anything like this, like in my whole life, there's never been this. And I think that's true for so many of us that, you know, we we don't know quite how to live through something like this. No. No, but you know what they say, when you're going through hell, just keep going. It's true. It's yeah. true. So what have you read recently? You gave some really phenomenal book recommendations last year, and I'm hoping for more. Ooh, okay. Well, I have to think about... I tend to read things in advance because I get a lot of advanced copies of things. I so know, I, I do too. I have been reading things that aren't out yet. So yes. I read Harriet Tice, and I think hers is out in August, her um, her new book. I'm reading the new Claire McIntosh, Hostage, which I love, <gasps> but it was exactly until September. Oh, I heard oh. a gasp there. <gasps> yes, yes, Claire I McIntosh. love Claire McIntosh. Yeah, I do too, and I, I've just started it, and it's a humdinger. It's, a, it's about a an air, air stewardess, uh, cabin crew person on a long haul flight who um, her daughter's been kidnapped. So it's it's very gripping. Um, and then and before, she's just such a lovely person too. Oh, she like, really she's is. just so like warm and friendly and just I, I love her so much. Yeah, no, and she's such a great writer. So yes, her I I love. Um, I just I just I also read the new Ruth Ware one by one. That's not out yet, but that was really good. Oh, it's um, coming though soon. Yes, and I've been recommending uh, the new Jillian McMillan book, um, To Tell You the Truth. That is a humdinger. I love that one. Oh, good. Um, I think that's out in September as well. Yeah. And what else have I read lately? I'm trying to see my bedside table. Um, <laughs> I've also been reading, I read The Chain by Adrian McGinty. That oh, was really good. Yes, that was fantastic. Was that great? It was such a good book. It was. Um, and I read 50-50 by Steve Cavanaugh, which I loved. Do you know that one? I have one? not read that yet. Oh, it's good. It's good. It's I will two, have to pick it up. Two sisters. Um, so the, the father is killed in the house. There's two sisters there, two adult girls. And each one phones 9-1 at the same time and says the sister did it. <laughs> oh. So it's that's a good one. It's a really I good hook. That's, yeah. a, that's a problem. Yeah. That, that was good. And... Um, of course, you never know who's telling the truth. Um, what else did you read? I always forget. Um, hmm, who are you looking forward to? And I'll tell you if I've read it. 
So last year you recommended, this is not something I'm looking forward to, this is just something I love. You recommended um, Laura McHugh's The Wolf Once In last week, uh, last year, and it was phenomenal. Wasn't it So thank you so much for that. I loved it so incredibly much. Yeah. Um, I just got the new Sally Hepworth, which doesn't come out until next year. So that's like way far in advance. Yeah. Um, but I'm really looking forward to that. The new Jessica Strasser, um, which is also out. Have you had the Richard Osman one? No, not yet. Oh, oh, that one's really good. It's called the Thursday Night Murder Club, I think. I think it's the Thursday, the Thursday Murder Club, not the Thursday Night Murder Club. And it is so great it's uh it's very different it's a bunch of people in an old folks home who solve murders <laughs> oh and it's so clever and so funny um you'll love it you should you should read that one it's really good i'm also really excited for the new um liz nugent oh who i oh, think is genius. phenomenal it's genius i just read that a couple of what like last week it's called yes. um uh, our little cruelties yes yes it is Amazing. Nobody does psychopaths like Liz Nugent. No, I think my favorite by her is Lying in Wait. Um, Yes. It was such a creepy, creepy book. Yeah. Well, you'll like you'll like her new one, Our Little Cruelties, because it's it's again, it's it's family. It's family dysfunction. I told her she puts the fun in dysfunction. It's true. It's true, because some of her stuff is so funny. Like there are, are I got to tell you, in our little cruelties, there's a scene where this little boy <laughs> who's got this sort of, he's mentally ill, but he's got this sort of mania, religious mania. And when he's little, he goes to this Halloween party and pretends to be Christ on the cross. And he's like, oh my gosh, in the living room, like with this cross and he's cut his hands open. And it's horrible, but it's hilarious too. I mean, it's, yeah, nobody does, does it quite like her. So no, yeah, she that's is. a good one. She's amazing. And then the other one that I'm, planning on picking up really soon is the new Araminta Hall. Oh, I've got um, that on my bedside table. The ooh, yes. Feminine. Yes. I have not opened that one yet. Is it, is it, you haven't started it? No, it's sitting on my iPad. Oh, well, I yes. just read that Elizabeth Moss, who was in Handmaid's Tale, she's got a production company and she just bought that for TV. Ooh. Ooh, isn't that exciting? Okay. That <laughs> is very great. So I'm gonna I'm gonna move that one up my pile. I've got two copies of that one. If you're like me, you've got like a really really high pile. Yes. Of two threads. Yes. Yes. Yeah. My Goodreads shelf is is frightening. It's like <laughs> there are literally like six thousand two hundred books on my want to read Goodreads shelf. It's it's alarming. Oh, that's that's that is alarming. <laughs> I, yeah, it's that alarming. Would, that would make me just feel overwhelmed. I'd probably start to cry. And oh, the other it makes the other me one so I happy. always like to read is Anthony Horowitz and he's got that that follow-up to um the magpie murders there's a sequel to that called um, the moonflower murders which is just coming out very soon I don't have a copy of that one I'll have to go to a shop and get that one but yeah I'm dying to read that yes I I I tend to love books about the publishing industry and that's that's the one about the editor right within the book and yeah it's very funny yeah so can you tell us anything about what we can expect next from you? No, because I, I never like to talk about my okay. work progress, but I will say um, that this much I have been saying, there's a double murder 
and four or five suspects and any one of them might have done it and I don't know which one it is yet. I was just going to ask if you knew. No, I don't. But I'm setting it up so it could be any of them. Oh, well, then you'll just have to uh, decide and we will be anxiously waiting for you to do that. It'll hit me at the end. The right answer will present itself. Do you worry, like, what if it doesn't? Like, have you ever written yourself into a place where... No, I haven't. I Because... The way I do it is I I keep all these threads going and one of them, all of them are possible answers. So um, one of them will work. You know, one of them will be the best answer. And then once I've, you know, settled on that answer, then I go through and I make sure everything works for that ending. I've just always thought, like, what if, you know, somebody's writing and they're like, oh, this is, you know, how it's going to be. And then they're like, oh, no, wait, it doesn't work at all. Yeah, you know, that kind of happens when you're in progress. Like you'll see, okay, that's not going to work if I go down that road because of this other thing. Right. I'll see that that as I go along. The only book I really struggled with was An Unwanted Guest because that was um, that closed room mystery kind of thing. Oh, yes. And it was really tricky to write. You had to keep in mind who was seeing what and who was where. And that one, I, I got myself into a bit of trouble and I had to go back and then sort of start over at a uh, you know yes because there were a lot of point of view in that book where yes. you had to really like, keep track as you're writing I had to keep track as I read it so I'm sure that as you wrote it you had to kind of figure that out yeah I actually had to change the order of two of the murders if I remember correctly because the way I had it it couldn't work oh anyway that was a complicated book and I have to hand it to Agatha Christie I'll never do another closer mystery in my life that was really hard <laughs> So I don't know if you read like YA thrillers, but one of the best closed room mysteries I have seen this year is All Your Twisted Secrets by Diana Urban. And it is a young adult thriller um, about people who are invited to a scholarship dinner. They're like seven teenagers and they've all supposedly been awarded this scholarship. And when they get there, there's no one there, just them. And this note that says, you've been selected, and now you have to do the selecting. So in one hour, you have to choose one of you to die. Oh, I love that. Or everyone will die. Like, if you don't pick one, then all of you will die. And so we see them trying to, like, not only figure out who is responsible for this, but also, like, how do you decide? Oh, I like that. Yes, it is. that's good absolutely fantastic it was her debut um and it was just so incredible I don't think I've ever read anything quite like it and I did not see the end coming I'll have to watch out for her yes it was so so good I think it was out like February or March um so it's it's definitely out there in the world So are you doing any virtual events before I let you dash off? Um, yeah, I can tell you um, I'm doing a, a number of uh, in conversation with type of virtual events that are free. And if people go to my website at sherrylapena.com and go to the events page, you'll see I'm doing a, a bunch of them. I think August 3rd, 5th, 7th, I think, and 6th. I have to look. But 
they're um, on the website. The links are there, and I think they're mostly by Zoom, and you just need to register through the link, and they're they're free, and you can just see. I think on um, I'll tell you what I'm doing. So on August the third, the Denver Library is hosting a, a chat with me and Harlan Coben. Ooh. And that's on Zoom, and it's open to everybody. And then on Wednesday, I think it's Cuyahoga Library in Cleveland. And that's I'm be, it's just me being interviewed by a, um, a, a person at the library. I Is it with the uh, professional book nerds people? Oh, it might be. Um, Adam and Jill, they are they are fantastic. You know, it's probably- I hope it's them. I probably, but I don't know. And then on Thursday uh, in Tulsa, Booksmart is having an evening conversation with me and Riley Sager. Oh, that's another one. Have you read Riley Sager's latest book? I have not. I have it here, but I have not. Oh, read it's it yet. good. It's good. It's called um, Home Before Dark, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it glows in the dark. So you should read that one. It does. Oh, that's, one. <laughs> that's what he says. Um, so that's on Thursday the 6th. And then on Friday the 7th, I'm in conversation with Lisa Gardner. So Lisa Gardner. Anna I love Lanza. her. Yeah. Who am I missing here? I don't know. So that's four of them, right? Yeah. Denver, yes. Cleveland, Tulsa, and Atlanta. Yeah. So if you just go on SherryLapenny.com, look under events, you should be able to hit the links and go register and just see these conversations for free. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking time to talk with me today. It is always a delight. I was so excited when I heard that you were um, interviewing about this book. I was like, oh, yes, yes. <laughs> so I'm so glad that you were able to take some time to chat with me. Um, I hope you stay safe and well. You and too. Keep writing. I will. I have right. lots of time at home to do that now. It's true. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so very much. Thank you, Shannon. It's been lovely talking to you. And now let's talk about new books. Wonderful, wonderful new books. Okay. So I'm going to try to be somewhat like reasonable and professional so that, you know, people think I'm like a, a good credible source of book information and not like a like spazzed out individual. So here we go. Lots of books out today. The first few are books that you've heard us mention before on our most anticipated books of August episode. Some of these I have read and when I've read them I will let you know kind of what I thought about them as I usually do um, and quite a few that are out today are books that I've read. So first up we have The Comeback by Ella Berman, which is a book that I am really excited for. I mentioned it on uh, last week's episode. Amber talked about The Lions of Fifth Avenue, and I read it. It was so, so phenomenal. Just a fantastic love letter to books and libraries and New York City. Brooke and Natalia are super excited about the new Karen Slaughter. This is The Silent Wife, Will Trent, number 10. I read it and it is everything that I love in a Karen Slaughter book, except a certain character that I really, really dislike. And I was very displeased to see her make an appearance here. 
but that is just kind of how it goes in the Will Trent series sometimes. So if you are familiar with the series, um, watch out for Lena. And Natalia talked about the new Mary, ja Mary Janice Davidson book, which is called The Love Scam. It's book two in her Danger Sweetheart series, and that is also out this week. But now we are going to talk about books that we haven't mentioned before, and there are a bunch of them. So get ready, and I hope you are ready to write down all these fabulous titles. This is, of course, not a comprehensive list. There's no way that I could touch on all of the books out this week. I can't do it like any week, but certainly not this week. So these are books that either I'm personally excited about, books that appeal to one or more of my fellow beastresses, or books that I think would just generally be of interest to those who listen to the podcast. So if you were really looking forward to something and I haven't mentioned it, please let me know and that will better help me to curate these lists in a way that reflects kind of what people are hoping to hear. So Vanishing Falls is finally out. I've heard such great things about this. This is by Poppy G and it is a literary mystery that's set in a forest in Tasmania and it focuses on this town that's kind of plunked down in the forest and apparently a socialite has gone missing. I'm not sure how a socialite ends up in the forest in Tasmania, but if I want to know, I will read the book, and I definitely plan to do it. It is Vanishing Falls by Poppy G. There's also a standalone novel by Hank Philippi Ryan out today. This is called The First Lie, and I have not read any of her standalones. I've read a few of her Jane Ryland books, and I've really liked them. Um, they're about a news reporter who ends up investigating all kinds of cases. Um, they can be pretty dark and gritty, and I've really enjoyed what I've read. But this is a standalone, and I don't know much about the plot. But since I have enjoyed previous books by this person, I will definitely check this one out as well. It is The First Lie, and it's by Hank Philippi Ryan. We also have The Night Swim by Megan Golden. I read this a couple of weeks ago, and this is the story of a woman who is creating a podcast, a true crime podcast, and she's investigating a rape that has occurred in a small town on the East Coast. And as she's investigating this, she also gets caught up in a cold case where people are pretty sure this thing that happened 25 years ago was an accident, but there are some kind of unanswered questions. So it's kind of a dual mystery with some really cool um, like excerpts from the podcast and some letters from people who lived through this experience 25 years ago. It's just a really absorbing and dynamic book. I highly recommend it. It's The Night Swim by Megan Golden. So next up, we have In Case of Emergency by E.G. Scott. This is her second book, and it is about a woman whose boyfriend has disappeared, and she has no idea where he's gone. No one seems to be able to give her any information. And if that's not bad enough, the discovery of a corpse has now implicated her in the murder of a woman that she has never met. So if you want to learn more about that, you'll have to check it out. It's In Case of Emergency by E.G. Scott. 
I'm really, really excited about this next book. It is the long-awaited second novel by Karen Dion. This is The Wicked Sister. And I really loved Dion's debut, which was The Marsh King's Daughter. Um, it was this really excellent cat and mouse mystery um, set in like the Michigan woods. And it was just really, really lovely. So I am very excited about this. It's the Wicked Sister. We get to examine some more dysfunctional family dynamics, which happens so often in psychological fiction. Um, I think we stay in the Midwest, which is very cool. So it's the Wicked Sister, and it's by Karen Dion. Araminta Hall finally has a new book out. This is Imperfect Women. I loved the book I read from her um, in 2019, or was it 2018? Our Kind of Cruelty. Uh, I can't remember. It was either 2018 or 2019, and it was so chilling and excellent. But this is Imperfect Women. It is the story of a group of women who are mourning the loss of one of their closest friends. And as they're kind of exploring their own grief and kind of discussing memories of their deceased friend, they start to realize that they didn't know her nearly as well as they thought they did. So it's Imperfect Women, and it's by Araminta Hall. This next book, um, I don't often like to compare books to Gillian Flynn's Sharp Objects, but this one I kind of have to. So this is Behind the Red Door by Megan Collins. And when I say that it's a good read-alike for Sharp Objects, I'm not necessarily talking about like the plot itself as much as I am about the overall feel of the novel and the dysfunctional relationships between the novel's characters. So this is about a woman who returns home to supposedly help her father pack up his house because he is getting ready to move to Florida and he needs her help. But it's obvious pretty quickly that there's a lot more going on. And then she learns about a woman who disappeared several years ago and was then returned and has now disappeared again. And so she becomes really interested in this and tries to kind of figure out what's going on and begins to wonder if she herself has some connection to this missing woman. So it is Behind the Red Door by Megan Collins. Next up, I'm going to talk about the Nothing Man by Catherine Ryan Howard. And I read um, a book of hers a couple of years ago called The Liar's Girl that I really loved. So this is another psychological thriller. We have a lot of those today. It's about a woman who survived a serial attacker when she was 12. And now as an adult, she has decided that she's ready to take justice into her own hands. The audio... And the print copies are out today, but this doesn't come out in Kindle until August 18th. So be aware of that if you are a Kindle or other kind of EPUB reader. So this again is The Nothing Man, and it's by Catherine Ryan Howard. And I'm going to step away now from mysteries and psychological thrillers to talk a little bit about young adult fantasy. So first up is... La Bizona by Romina Garber. And this is a novel where the fantasy, like the paranormal elements, are pretty beneath the surface for a while. So we meet our heroine, who is a teenage girl 
who is hiding from some Argentinian gangsters. And then later on, apparently she finds out she's a werewolf. And so as she's trying to stay away from these um, kind of mundane people who want to harm her and her family, she's now also on the run from these paranormal forces who apparently do not approve of werewolves. So this is La Bazona, and it is by Romina Garber. We also have... Igniting Darkness, this is the second book in the Courting Darkness duology by Robin Lefevers. And this is a companion duology to her trilogy, His Fair Assassin. And this is about three women, the kind of, well, they're like teenage girls, young women, who live in a convent where they are taught how to be assassins. So this is a continuation of the story begun in Courting Darkness, and this is Igniting Darkness, Courting Darkness Book 2 by Robin Lefevers. We also have Dark Tide, Dark Tide Book 1 by Alicia Jasinska, and this is an LBGTQ fantasy that centers around a sinking island and the two girls who have to choose whether they want to save themselves, save each other, or save their island home as a whole. And how do you make that choice? So it's Dark Tide, Dark Tide Book One by Alicia Jasinska. We also have a dual author book. This is Set Fire to the Gods. And it's the first book in a series of the same title by Kristen Simmons and Sarah Roche. And I have not read anything that Sarah Roche has written, but I have read Kristen Simmons' um, Vale Hall books. And I find them really clever and a lot of fun. So I'm excited to see kind of how they do with this fantasy that they've written together. It's Set Fire to the Gods. Set Fire to the Gods book one by Sarah Roche and Kristen Simmons. I'm moving away from fantasy now to talk just about some young adult contemporary novels. This is Illegal, Disappeared, book two by Francisco X. Stork. I have not read the first book in this duology, which is called Disappeared, but I did read a book he wrote a few years ago called The Memory of Light, which dealt with mental illness. This is an own voices immigration story that is a continuation from what started out in the Disappeared book. So I definitely plan to pick up both of these because I really, really love his writing. So this is Illegal Disappeared, book two, by Francisco X. Stork. I'm so glad that this next book has finally come out. It's been pushed back a couple of times, um, partly because of the pandemic, and I think also for other kind of technical reasons. But this is The Black Kids by Christina Hammonds-Reed. And this is a coming-of-age story set in the early 90s, right around the time of the race riots brought about by... Um, the terrible encounter that Rodney King had with the police and all of the ways that that went horribly wrong. And this story centers around Ashley, who is a privileged young black girl. She goes to a private school 
And all of her life, she's kind of fit very nicely into white society, or at least she believes that she has. And as racial tensions begin to heat up in her community, she realizes that there are some differences between herself and the people that she's always thought of as her friends. And so she begins to try to get more in touch with her identity as one of the black kids. So this is The Black Kids by Christina Hammond Reed. It is often compared to The Hate You Give, although from what I understand, it is a somewhat quieter, um, less plot-driven novel than the Angie Thomas. Next up is um, Luster by Raven Leilani. And this is perfect if you loved... um, Candace Cardi Williams' Queenie. And it's basically an exploration of what it means to be a Black woman in modern America. So it's Luster by Raven Leilani. We also have Migrations by Charlotte McConney. And this is kind of a mashup of Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel and Barbara Kingsolver's Flight Behavior. It's about a woman who is grieving some losses in her personal life, and she decides that she's going to make kind of a pilgrimage to Greenland, where she is going to find what she believes to be the last flock of Arctic terns. Um, But then, I guess, a lot of things begin to go wrong as she is journeying to Greenland, and perhaps she has to deal with the apocalypse. So this is Migrations, and it is by Charlotte McConney. Let's move to some historical novels now. Paris Never Leaves You. This is by Ellen Feldman. It moves back and forth in time from the 1950s to the 1940s. And we pay a lot of attention to World War II as well as to the New York publishing industry in the 50s. So it's Paris Never Leaves You, and it is by Ellen Feldman. We also have The Lost Jewels by Kirsty Manning. This is also a dual timeline novel, and it is about a buried treasure that connects a woman living in the present to some family secrets all the way back in 1912. So it is The Lost Jewels, and it is by Kirsty Manning. And now I get to talk about the book that I am most excited about today because I haven't read it and I have been looking forward to it ever since I read this author's last book, which came out in like 2016. So this is The Orphan Collector by Ellen Marie Wiseman. It is set during the influenza epidemic in 1918. It's set in New York City. It is about two women who are leading vastly different lives, but their lives are touched, of course, by the epidemic and all of the ways that this affects them. This is a long novel. It's like 15 hours in audio. I pre-ordered it. It is currently in my Audible library, and it will be my very next read. It is The Orphan Collector by Ellen Marie Wiseman. And last up for me is Shadows in Time, 
Kendra Donovan, book five by Julie McElwain. And this is a really cool blend of mystery and fantasy. So it's about an FBI agent named Kendra Donovan, who way back in the first book gets transported against her will back in time to like 19th century England. And she's in this really fancy manor house. They think that she's the maid. Um, She's obviously not the maid and she knows nothing whatsoever about being a maid. But she's there and she can't figure out how to get back. And then one of the guests at this house party is murdered. And now she's trying to solve a mystery without any of the kind of like forensic tools that she's used to using. Apparently she does not get to go home and she is still stuck in time here. So this is Shadows in Time, Kendra Donovan, book five, and it is by Julie McElwain. And that is all I have for you today. There were so many more books that I could have talked about, but that would have made for a really long and probably kind of monotonous episode. So I did my best to narrow it down. I hope you find lots of great stuff to either run out and buy or put on your library hold list, add to your Goodreads shelf, whatever you want to do. I hope I've managed to excite you about some of today's new releases. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.